You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 87. I'm Rashan, a.k.a. Roro, and I'm joined today by the pride of PlayStation, Sean Babiak, and Dan the Halo Man, Daniel Prindle. How are you guys doing today? I'm here. Fantastic. Uh, Daniel's <laughs> kind of here. He's here, as, as he said, in spirit in the pre-show. Yeah. um but big thank you to everybody else who is here watching live and listening uh you could find us every wednesday recording live at 8 p.m eastern time on youtube and on twitch just search up podcast pxn and you shall find us the topic of the show today is the summer games fest kickoff that was announced today we're going to talk about what we may expect to be there and just how we feel about summer games fest as a whole this year where we see what we might think it may turn out to be but before we get there we always start with the PXN news of the week, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. And we're starting off with some Starfield news being reportedly an Xbox exclusive. So I'm reading from Windows Central. They say Starfield is a bit of an, an enigma. The game is known only by its teaser alongside a trickle of information here and there from occasional interviews. What we do know is that Starfield is a single-player sci-fi RPG built on a new version of Bethesda's creation, creation engine. Previously used in the modern Fallout and Elder Scrolls games. Um, One of the biggest burning questions of the game remains the state of its potential exclusivity, given Microsoft joined forces with Bethesda earlier this year. And Mr. Jeff Grubb on Twitter, who is, as he was notably noted uh, as, uh, or cited as, uh, industry heavyweight on King Note Kind of Funny earlier this week, he's been... uh, a pretty outspoken game industry journalist or content creator, I guess, sharing a lot of stuff around the game industry that has often been right. He has his sources, so this is why this is pretty big news. Um, he says Starfield is an Xbox, Xbox and PC, is exclusive to Xbox and PC. Period. This is me confirming that. Grub was responding to calls for for uh, clarity after some had suggested he wasn't sure on the status of Starfield's exclusive exclusivity while guesting on a podcast earlier that week. Uh, Starfield also uh, saw a few propounded screenshots and artwork pieces leak recently, uh, supposedly from earlier bits of the game. Um, But yeah, this is really interesting. I I remember us having this conversation uh, when Bethesda was, you know, acquired by Xbox or Microsoft, I should say, whether or not these games are going to be exclusive or some of them are or not all of them. And I was of the mind that no way that all of these games are going to be exclusive. It just it was just hard for me to imagine that. But at the same t- side of that coin, Microsoft spent a pretty penny to acquire Bethesda. So why wouldn't they want that? But uh, Daniel, what do you think about Starfield being reportedly exclusive on Xbox? Yeah, uh, I think that honestly, that's a pretty big deal for uh, Xbox to get that as an exclusive because like this is Todd Howard's team like that should never be taken lightly like Fallout Elder Scrolls like that's them. Uh, so I'm excited to see what the heck Starfield's going to end up being like they haven't put out a game since Fallout 4. Uh, and yes, Fallout 76 was loosely tied to Todd Howard, but he was just executive producer on that, uh, essentially just overseeing it. He wasn't that wasn't the uh, main team um, that was developing that. But 
Yeah, I'm very interested to see how Starfield ends up turning out. Uh, I definitely want to hope that it's as good as Fallout and Elder Scrolls in a space-like setting. I think that would be awesome. Um, But I think this is definitely in line with what I was thinking when we were talking about this last time, Roro, because like I even said, like at one point I was like, well, why did Microsoft buy Bethesda if they're not going to be exclusive? Like at some point they're going to be fully exclusive. It's just a matter of when I think rather than if, um, and obviously Starfield would be kind of a no brainer to start with that because it's a brand new IP. They never announced any platforms for it. They just teased it. And um, so that would kind of be a little bit of a building block to say, hey, this is our first start to exclusivity with with Bethesda and Xbox. So, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Sean, you going to play some Bethesda Game Studios games finally, or are you just going to keep ignoring them? Uh, I'm pretty sure I played Doom. Well, they published it publisher yeah (laughs) (laughs) at evil within um no i probably won't let's be real i mean my my rpgs definitely tend more towards asian jrpg that type of stuff um it's not a story that really interests me personally um i do think it's less of a win for xbox and more of a loss for ps5 at this point Hmm. um i would only say that though kind of tempering expectations because we don't really know what this game is still Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean i know we have descriptions and everything like this but correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure this was announced maybe four or five years ago at this point um i don't think it was that far but it was a long time it was like man what year was that e3 2019 i think right or maybe 2018 i thought it was the year that god of war came out and I think that was 2017. No, that was it was the following year, wasn't it? I don't know. Either way, it's been a long time. And granted, COVID delayed every single thing, made a lot of things harder to develop for and teams and all that. Um, but it is a loss for Sony. It is expected um, when it comes to Microsoft shelling out all this money. I don't think it'll be the last one, but this... This will, in my opinion, kind of start like a chain of events, continuing at least the chain of events. Everyone wants to keep giving Sony crap for like doing all this stuff that they say is anti-gamer or not not what they want. But then it's like, okay, well, obviously PS5 is outselling even PS4 right now. And it's been a very good success. And a lot of people have one. And so that's going to be a huge loss not to get that game on them. So they're going to make up for it in something else that they're going to hold out because yet again, they're number one. And it's kind of to be expected if Microsoft takes this property that could have been on their platform and no longer will be. It was E3 2018, by the way. (laughs) So about three years then. Yeah. Yep. Well, I am excited to see what Starfield may be whenever we get to see that next it's definitely something that has my interest but like sean i'm not a huge bethesda rpg guy <laughs> but <laughs> i i do love space so maybe this will be the one so mm. yes only a matter of time hopefully we get to see that soon uh, but moving on to the next story twitch is changing its prices in some places its subscription prices i should say 
Twitch is implementing a series of pricing changes for subscriptions outside of the US, matching them to the cost of living in other countries. To make subscribing easier for those outside the US, Switch is adjusting the price uh, of all subscriptions, including paid and gifted, over the coming months in most countries to better align with their local cost of living. So uh, starting tomorrow, actually. Uh, in Mexico, the cost of Switch, oh, today, no, start, oh no, tomorrow, yeah. I just realized that I was writing the wrong date on everything at work today. Uh oh. <laughs> but in Mexico, the cost of Twitch uh, subscription will drop from 99 pesos to 48 pesos, and 48 pesos in Canadian dollars is 292. Not sure where it is in US, sorry. Um, but that's pretty great for the cost of living there, obviously. And in Turkish Lyra, it's going from 42 try to 10 try, which is like a dollar here, I think. Um, but I thought this was really cool, a nice move from Twitch to kind of adjust their prices, not something that you see happen often. Usually it's the opposite, where it gets a little bit of a, of a hike. So I thought this was good on them to adjust their prices for places to make it a bit more affordable in those in those countries. And I just thought it was a, a good move, so I thought to to share it. Do you guys have any, any thoughts about it? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it makes sense for them to align this closer to like, you know, American pricing and, uh, you know, American economy to American pricing is not the same as, you know, uh, Turkish uh, currency to Turkish price- pricing, which I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what their currency is, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this this totally makes sense. And it's great to uh, kind of lower that for people to uh, have a more of a chance to support their their favorite creators. Yeah, definitely. Sean, so, any, any, oh, yeah, may, maybe I'm just stupid because I don't do Twitch or anything like that. Explain to me what subbing is, because the only thing I know from subbing is some <laughs> meme for a girl that like started spouting off. If you have five dollars to give to me then oh you're God, lazy yeah. or something like that. I just remember that from a few years ago. That Ugh. was, first of all, that was bad. That was horrible. Yeah. I, I still think about that sometimes. But yeah, subbing, it's just like, I'm try- like Netflix, pretty much. You pay a monthly subscription to them and you get a bunch of emotes to share in the chat or just, I think that's really the, the biggest thing. You get a bunch of emotes and you get to sh- maybe communicate with the the streamer a bit easier and sometimes but i could watch you regardless right yes depending okay well, yeah, well you could you could always watch but sometimes you can't chat with them sometimes they do a sub only chat yep yeah and they they also i think there's a feature that like your replays can only be watched by subs as well i believe that's a feature as well if if you choose that yeah interesting okay yeah. so you're not really yeah, not really losing old. much but yeah <laughs> yeah 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 just that's out out of my room uh so nintendo classic games let's talk about (laughs) we will absolutely yeah wait i think i have that on there uh i don't Uh oh i will add that later though their their amount the i put the i meant to put the nes uh things that came out this week i'm sure i'll be able to find it by the end by the time we get there though um, but moving on to the next story, Sony makes another patent, and it's even weirder than the last one. <laughs> Sony Interactive Entertainment has filed a patent for a platform that will allow users to bet on esports using physical currency, Bitcoin, or even in-game items. According to a listing on Patent Scope, Sony initially filed a patent in 2019, but has only published it this month. The patent itself suggests a system where viewers 
uh, of live streamed esports events such as fighting game tournaments would be able to bet on the outcome of matches whilst watching the action play out in real time. The system would work via a user interface overlay that could be brought up over the stream in order for a user to place their bets. So last time we talked about Sony patents, it was to be in, be uh, connected to an expert, quote-unquote expert player that will be able to usher, I guess, a novice player or someone that's been stuck on a level, direct help from a, a player who is capable. And now we've got a new <laughs> patent where... <laughs> Sony is encouraging, not encouraging, but allowing players to bet on certain esports events, like like they show fighting game tournaments. So if you're watching your favorite streamer play Street Fighter V, you can bet with other viewers who you think is going to win, is what I think is what they're showing off here. Um, again, it's a patent. This may never see the light of day, but if they ever wanted to do that, they just wanted to you know, secure that idea. But uh, what do you guys think about this patent? And do you think... We can see it. We will see it someday. I actually, I think it makes a lot of sense because uh, they just recently acquired was it Evo, the fighting yes, company, yeah. fighting yeah. tournament company. Uh, yeah, I think it's it back in January or something, if I remember right. Yeah. So I mean, it, it makes sense in that regard because, like, you know, if they host a, the next Evo or whatever and give people the option to bet on the tournaments, I think that would be kind of interesting, and that would. I feel like that would fill a niche for uh, people that like that sort of thing. Uh, I'm personally not into betting and that kind of stuff, but uh, and also it also is going to depend on like your uh, local government or you know wherever you're at's uh, regulations because like you can't bet on uh, that kind of stuff in Kentucky. So uh, like I wouldn't be able to do this, but. Uh, that's kind of another wrench in it, I guess, that they'll have to they'll have to wrestle with different government agencies and all of that to uh, kind of approve this. So, hey, it's Cover yeah, in the I'm, chat. Thank you. Welcome back, Cover. I, it's it's a natural progression to what basically online is becoming. We know how big esports themselves have become, um, especially during the pandemic when. In reality, for a bunch of months, that was the only sport you could watch. Even actual athletes were playing themselves in games, i.e. NBA 2K um, was happening a lot. Um, the only thing that I guess is a little modeling, I, I, when I, a lot of speculation is that it's going to be cryptocurrency only with like all that hype with Dogecoin um, and all that stuff kind of coming up. I, I'm too stupid to know anything with that. Um, if I was Sony, I would get whatever type of money you can get. I mean, who knows if cryptocurrency is here to stay in any regards. So I have a feeling it'll go global in that sense, but it'll be very interesting to see with a lot of countries kind of going at different companies for loot boxes and stuff like that. I think that's going to throw something else towards them. If now they can legally bet on a console, and Daniel, you just mentioned as far as Kentucky, like state bases and stuff like that. Does that mean that's something that you're automatically locked out of? Or can you choose a different region on your PlayStation or something like that? So I don't know. I think it's going to be very tricky, but I do think it's something that's actually going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I just I completely forgot about the Evo acquiring and now that just put it in my mind that this makes a little a little bit more sense to me for sure um 
like I'm like Daniel, I'm not sure how I would use it. And I'm like also like Sean, where I have no idea how cryptocurrency works and Dogecoin and all that stuff. So it'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, not something that I should dabble with, knowing how terrible I, I, I have been with gambling in the Pokemon games, like the, uh, in, I forget the Goldenrod City. I spend so much time at that Pokemon game. It's like, oh, this is this is bad. If I uh, if I ever go to a real life casino, it would be it would be bad. So <laughs> maybe I shouldn't. Uh, Sony should not give me access to this. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But moving on to the next story, GTA is getting some improvements for PS5 and Xbox Series S. Uh, GTA 5 and GTA Online will receive PS5 and Xbox Series S uh, enhancements uh, version or. PS5 and Xbox Series X and S versions on November 11th, and Rockstar has promised surprises related to the upcoming 20th anniversary of Grand Theft Auto 3. Announced in a press release, the new generation upgrades of both Grand Theft Auto 5 and GTA Online will be expanded and enhanced, and come with uh, with as yet unannounced new features. Updates added to GTA Online this summer will also include the include special benefits to take advantage of in these expanded and enhanced versions when they drop. So when I heard this, I was like, of course, more GTA. Of course, <laughs> there's going to be a new enhanced version. I just, when are we, when are they going to stop, basically, is my question. <laughs> Never. Never. Yeah, that's um, 100% correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they're, they just announced also that GTA 5 is at 145 million copies sold. Yeah. My goodness. How where does it stop? <laughs> I mean I don't think it does. I I I was I was think for the same Summer Games Fest and E3 and I'm sure we'll have a topic as we get closer to E3. But I doubt we even see like GTA 6 mm. from them this year. Yeah. I I don't even know if even the next 2 years like who knows what what's really next for them. If it even is GTA 6 or maybe it's a, uh, a Red Dead or something. I don't know. The the crazy part is, is like they're going to release this new version and they're going to sell probably another 10 million copies. Like at least I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people buying this remaster, uh, just like people bought the Xbox one and PS4 remaster. And uh, yeah, that I think what blows my mind, though, the series is at 345 million units sold. GTA 5 alone sold 145 million of that. So almost half of their entire franchise sales has come from GTA 5. Like, what? I'd- well, let's not forget, though, too, GTA 5 was the first one to come to PC natively. Mm. It took a year later. Yeah. Um, but 4, I don't know, 4 ever even came out on PC because I don't remember, like, mods and stuff like that. So a lot of those sales could be PC as well um just for the first time having it uh i am over gta 5 beyond <laughs> it i mean I'm, I'm happy for their success i truly am uh gta online was not something i got into i played it on the ps4 again i don't know maybe dabbled in like an hour or two but that was really it just to drive around um but i don't want to buy it again i mean i i would love a six but i would also like i said with my main gripe when it came to red dead redemption is get the control scheme figured out for 2021 or what is going on now in games. That is my biggest complaint. And obviously that's something they're not going to fix for re remastered uh, GTA five. Uh, sounds like a resident evil movie, but 
I I won't be buying it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> At least online's free for PS Plus. Hmm. Yeah, that is go. true. Which which uh, that is interesting actually that you mentioned that. Sorry, Roro. Uh, no, no, yeah. They 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 they're like splitting out GTA Online and GTA Five now. So like it's going to be available separately now, whereas it's never been like that before. So that 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 is very interesting. I I'm also over GTA. I I totally agree with Sean that the controls are one of the things that I I didn't love. I I for some reason I was totally fine in Red Dead. For some reason I love that game, but for some for some reason in GTA I just wasn't about how that game controlled. And it's just not something that I'm I'm into. But at the same time, I would love to see what a GTA Six looks like because of what you said. Like maybe they improve the controls. Maybe it's a different setting that I would enjoy. Characters maybe I don't know. But it seems like it'll be a while until mm-hmm. until we see that. But moving on to something Sean may be happy about oh. the ascent has gotten a release date after being delayed of July 29th, and it got a nice little trailer, and it looks awesome. I, I will let Sean take it from here. How are you feeling after this trailer and new uh, release date? I saw it. I am super stoked still. I mean, obviously, it is my choice of Xbox exclusives at this point that I super want. Um, though, by the way, Xbox Game Pass gave me Code Vein like a month ago. I was really happy to try it out. Um, it was interesting. But uh, the Ascent, obviously, has been on my radar for so long. Uh, I'm super excited that finally it seems like we have a concrete release date because before it was just a release window of launch window, more or less, for the Series X. Uh, but looks gorgeous. I am hopeful, Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably uh, able to be cross-play with PC. Um, I would assume because I would love to get together with you guys to play this because this is obviously my type of game. I love top down twin stick shooters, uh, especially from like House Marquee or something like that. But I'm glad to see other companies doing it. This will probably be the best cyberpunk game we'll ever get. And yes, I mean that as I say it. <laughs> uh, but honestly, it just looks graphically just impressive. Like, just, I know it seems so miniature in scale and maybe not something that everyone thinks is next gen but i liken it to like what we we got Resogun as a launch game for the ps4 and regardless of what people say like that's that game was doing so many things behind the scenes that you had no idea what to expect when it came to the explosions the little pixels and particles that was going on this is going to have the exact same thing i mean this this summer correct me if i'm wrong guys we're gonna have a crap ton to play though mm-hmm. ratchet and clank this mario golf I mean, this summer's looking really cool. Yeah, it it's going to be crazy. Uh, and I just looked it up because I didn't know crossplay is available as long as you get the Microsoft Store version uh, of the game. So, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's cool. And actually, I, I I used to give you shit for this game all the time, just as a, a joke, Sean. But actually, this trailer got me pretty hyped up for it. It, it looks freaking visually very stunning, and uh, just the gameplay in general looks kind of cool. It's kind of a I don't know a mi- mix and mash of a couple of genres, I guess. Um, I noticed somebody uh, somebody on at IGN I think said it was like Hunter the Reckoning I think but it's it's got a, like Ooh, a little bit yeah of that's a Diablo. good way to put that from the PS2 Xbox original yeah. Xbox days yeah which yeah it looks really good I'm I'm excited to check it out and for sure we can 
hook up and play this, uh, all of us get down with this. I agree. This looks awesome visually. Again, I agree. It looks awesome. Um, I would love to play with you guys as well. I'd obviously get it on, on PC. But yeah, it it as Sean was saying, it looks the the style is something that I I think people um, underestimate how much is going on because of the top down look and the characters are small. But as you both said, a lot is going on. The, it looks beautiful. Um, I there was a top down game twin stick shooter that I played so much on the Vita. Hell Divers, that Ooh, was a game. Hell Divers oh, is sweet. I love that game, and this kind of reminded me of that, so I'll totally be down to give this a shot when it comes out July 29th. Yes. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, but moving on to our next story, Warner Bros. Interactive will reportedly be split up following merger. So this was a story that came out a little while ago, and it more impacted the TV, movie sort of things, but as it progressed, there may have may be some issues with the W Games uh, side of things as well. So AT and T announced earlier today that it will split off Warner Media and merge uh, it with Discovery in a forty three billion dollar deal that will result in the creation of a new premier standalone global entertainment company that will comp- uh, compete with the likes of Netflix and Des or I almost said Destiny Disney <laughs> Plus. According to IGN, the deal with uh, will affect the video game scene too. Most of IGN's overview focuses on the video aspect of the deal, but AT&T also told the site that Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment, but not all of it, will be sold off. Uh, no details were provided on how the company will split, but WBIE is itself a parent company of roughly a dozen studios, including NetherRealm, Monolith, Avalanche, Rocksteady, TT Games, Playdemic, and WB Game Studio in San Diego, Boston, Montreal, San Francisco, and New York. Um, so obviously they've worked on games such as Mortal Kombat, Middle Earth, Shadow of War, Bat- Batman, Arkham, and a bunch of the Lego games. So obviously with the delay of, uh, what was it, Gotham Knights? Yes. Uh, and I, I don't know what you guys think, if this affects that or it's already already close to being done. They're just working on it now. But how do you guys feel about the the split? Do you think it'll have effects on any of the games that have been announced? I think it's uh, it's interesting to see what happens because they say here that some of them are going to be split up. So, like, I can't even picture what that's going to look like. Like, what if, like, WB Montreal is split up from Rocksteady, for instance? Like, they're both making yeah. Batman games, or not Batman games, but, like, DC games. So, like, how does that affect things? Like, if those are, like, tied together somehow or... Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know, this is going to be interesting. And I almost feel like AT&T is sounding like they want to get out of that business because that's why they sold all Warner brothers media, uh, with this, with discovery that to spin them off or whatever. So I'm almost wondering if AT&T is going to start to pick apart these studios and say, who wants to buy these studios and start selling them? Because there was that rumor last year that they were uh, they were talking about selling all of their their studios. So I'm starting to wonder if that's going to actually happen, and it's basically going to be a fire sale. Whoever can you know pony up the most money uh, to get each studio. So that'll be interesting to see see what happens there. Um, Sean, what are your thoughts? I mean, 
I, I don't know if it's going to affect anything. I think the the delay of Gotham Knights was probably already happening regardless, especially a little bit of mixed marketing, in my opinion, too. Don't tell me a Batman game is going to be RPG, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's just an odd, odd thought in a sense. But it makes sense from the gaming and the movie perspective, only because of like just kind of how the companies branch off. The only thing I wonder is with the news that came out today, does that affect anything going forward? So we know we're we're getting a new Batman animated series um, with one of the original producers of the 1990s Batman series, Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams, of all people. Uh, and then also we're getting an injustice to or an injustice animated movie, um, which is obviously very heavily based on the game. And then the comic that was based off the game, too. And Nether Realms has kind of been in the cycle where they've been developing an Injustice and then a Mortal Kombat, then Injustice and Mortal Kombat. So we're assuming Injustice Three yeah. is the next game from Nether Realms. So I'm just curious if this changes things or is it still something that hey, they still get the license to do what they want with this fighting series because mm-hmm. Injustice is super super successful in my opinion when it comes to fighting series. Something that can go up on the Evo stage should be considered a successful series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope it doesn't affect the games too much. Um, as as you both said, only time will tell, I guess. <laughs> and we, we'll, we'll see in the future. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Gotham Knights still come soon. But I agree, I don't think it's going to affect too, too much, depending on how the studios get get split up. But moving on to the next story, E3 2021 reveals its online portal. So organizers have now revealed the app uh, and online portal that will allow gaming fans to attend and participate in the entirely digital event. Calling the online portal and app a key hub for the show, the Entertainment Software Association, ESA, has confirmed they'll provide access to virtual booths, hosted events, video conferencing, profile and avatar creation, online forums, and more. Mm. So I thought that was very interesting. They obviously, E3 is a digital event. They're going to, and they're trying to bring more interactivity since we are obviously going to be at home and not, there won't be any people attending E3 in person. So they're trying, I, I guess they're trying their best to implement some interactivity with the fans and the show. So I thought that was a, a cool idea. Um, yeah. Do you guys think you'll, you'll use it? and and yeah yeah i th- i think i will just uh in terms of like the content that we're, that we're gonna see from it um i think it'll be interesting like seeing what those virtual booths end up being like uh, i think what jeff Keeley always has talked about is a super cool idea about like game demos being available to the public to be able to play uh that that's like playable at e3 um, so if they did something like that, that would be cool. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily what they're going for here, but uh, maybe in time. Um, and it's ironic, actually, that this seems to be like the the best uh, digital presentation we're probably going to get from E3 the, from the last like so many years that they've done it because they're now forced to do an all digital show. Um, so they have to find ways to make the digital experience better so that maybe if E3 comes back next year in person, uh, this digital, uh, experience will still be in place. And so people who watch from home, like many of us, uh, can get a much better experience actually, um, than we have in the past and kind of get, 
I guess, a, a little bit of an extra look at, at the games. So, yeah, I think this is super cool. Um, do you yeah, think you'll um, check this out? Yeah, I mean, it's it'll probably make me follow it easier because I'm uh, unlike Daniel that does every year. I don't take a vacation during E3. Um, but I, I still think it'd be something easier because a lot of people are getting back to work or being forced back to work. Um, so that'll be an easier way to keep track of it. Um, I think IGN, after some stumbles with their app, have been a lot more present when it comes to how it works and noticing feedback and all that stuff. And I know they have a partnership with E3 this year too. So I have a feeling they'll kind of be helping with that stuff as well. And I think curation will be a lot easier to save videos will be a lot easier too. Um, instead of like having to go to YouTube to type in, Hey, I heard of this game today. I can't remember. Okay. Let me watch all of Microsoft's conference to figure it out when it's like, okay, I just want to see this. I want to pick out just halo infinite, which we all know is probably going to be the last bit of it. Um, so it's like that way you can kind of skip ahead and everything. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll take a look at it myself. The virtual booths as well is are something that I am interested in to see what that may be. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is great and a, a, an interesting step in the digital uh, version of all of this. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for E3 whenever. Or well, not whenever. It's 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 almost here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say whenever that may be. But yes, it's it's coming soon. We're almost there. We need some. Um, so I'm very excited. We need some conference t- dates and yes. times. Like, yeah. I want to know more. Tell me more. Yeah. But moving on to the next story, The Last of Us is getting a little bit of a patch on PS5. Launching today, they they released a really cool trailer. I loved it. Announcing the update. So once patch one. 0.08 for The Last of Us Part 2 is installed on your PS5, you will find a toggle in the display options that allows you to choose between a frame rate target of 30 frames per second or 60 frames per second. This allows you to choose your preferred frame rate to complete the rest uh, to complete the rest of enhancements that are part of the PS5 backward compatibility with PS4 games, such as enhanced resolution, faster load times, and more. Uh, they also say the team has been digging into the PS5 hardware and the possibility it unlocks since launch last year, and we're excited about what the future holds. Mm. So I thought this was awesome. I'm glad that they're implementing this on some older games. I, I saw some funny tweets about people saying, so Bloodborne is, is just never getting this, huh? It's just, <laughs> when is this happening? <laughs> it's just like, that's the game that we've all been waiting for. Everybody's happy about The Last of Us, but what about Bloodborne? Come on. <laughs> and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn as well was something that people wanted wanted to see in 60 frames per second, which definitely I'd love to see that too. But uh, yeah, I think this is awesome. The Last of Us is already such a beautiful game. So whatever Naughty Dog plans to do next with it, and even just the 60 frames per second is definitely welcome for me. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe now I'll finally get do my playthrough, guys, <laughs> on PS5 in 60 frames per second. Yeah, <laughs> but we all know that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe eventually I'll get there. My backlog's slowly getting chipped away as more games come out for it and add to my <laughs> backlog, but uh, whatever. I just know whenever I do get a PS5, I'm definitely going to be replaying The Last of Us. For sure, technical masterpiece. Notice, so are you going to go back? Technical. Masterpiece. Oh, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I honestly don't. It was very hard for me to go back to The Last of Us One. Um, I couldn't even do it. I just went back to try the DLC out from the beginning as opposed to the end. Um, 
it's tough to say. Um, Dana was just joking about the backlog, but like I feel that way right now, only having as minimal games as I have for the new consoles. Uh, a game that I'll talk about here in a little bit will keep me probably preoccupied for a very, very long time, given its difficulty. Moving on to the next story. Zelda Skyward Sword's new Loftwing Amiibo improves the game. Oh. But you gotta buy the Amiibo. So Zelda and Loftwing Amiibo, you see above, which showed a nice little picture of the Loftwing and, and Zelda. Very cute. It's a very nice figure, as they said. But when tapped on your Switch, also lets players instantly skip between the surface and the sky. In the original game, that was a pretty tedious process. And benefiting it... Bene- and befitting its age and reliance on old schools out of design because you could only do it from save points. Buy this amiibo though, and you can do it whenever you want, even inside a dungeon. Uh, buy this amiibo, yeah. So that's that's the thing that people were upset about. I've in the comments of this tweet, it's like they're going a, a very back and forth. There's a lot of people who are like, well, yeah, of course, just buy. Buy, it's only $12, just buy the Amiibo. Mm. And people, other people are like, I like this quote here, make a problem, sell the solution, that's big business. So I, I can't fault them. Well, I can. I don't like it. <laughs> that I, spoilers, spoiler alert. I don't like uh, this move, but I, I, I see a lot of people going back and forth in the comments, so I was wondering what you guys thought about. Do you yeah. think it's that big of a deal? or? Uh, spoilers, I pre-ordered it. Yeah. <laughs> was it for that reason or was it just because you like the uh not really for that reason uh, i mean that's a cool little added bonus uh let's not forget this isn't the first time that a, uh, a zelda amiibo has had in-game benefits as well the wolf link amiibo yep. uh could be used for the remastered of the twilight princess to basically help more or less skip dungeons if i remember correctly um or help you out in dungeons itself uh, and you could actually use it in Breath of the Wild, so you could actually ride the wolf as Link. Um, it's a very hard amiibo to get still to this day. Um, even the original uh, Link uh, with the P plastic stand is still impossible to find. Amiibos are like hard to find. I hate to say this, but if it goes up, you get it, or else you're mm-hmm. never going to get it again. Never going to get it. Yes. Uh, that just is the way with amiibo. I do understand the frustration from uh, the community because. I liken it to um, Wind Waker and how the, I can't remember what the sale was called, but the special sale that you could get by doing a couple more tasks that made everything so much quicker than in the original game. It was just kind of like an added on sale for you, but one of the most tedious and longing things to do in that game was a sale from island to island, and the fact that you could actually unlock something that could do that was great. Now, instead of unlocking, you're buying something. So I can understand how if you're not given that option to unlock, it's going to create some divisiveness. It's uh, Guys, it's, it's like real-world microtransactions <laughs> in real life now. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I feel like Nintendo kind of... I feel like they were pretty clear from the beginning of Amiibos that this is kind of what they are for, like unlocking special things in the game. And yeah, I guess this is a little bit different because this is like kind of getting around to like a, an annoying thing from the original game, I guess, um, that fans didn't like. Uh, but it is sort of, it's kind of a, a gray area, I guess, uh, of whether or not it's, you know, 
justifiable to do something like this, but they were pretty clear in, from the beginning, like the Amiibos would have special things that they they would be used for. And uh, to their credit, they have done that uh, over the years with Amiibo. So even with Smash, I think Smash Brothers even has um, some integration with uh, Amiibos as well. Uh, uh, you could watch your Amiibos fight each other and you uh, could train them as your own <laughs> fighters and then bring them to your friend's Smash uh, and then okay. they could play against each other. Gotcha. So, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, 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 uh, I remember with Breath of the Wild they had some Amiibo stuff as well where you'd bring in a, a Peach Amiibo, like just random Amiibos and they would drop some chests in your, in your game and some really cool loot would come from it like the Nintendo shirt and some some Twilight Princess outfits and stuff like that, which I I love. I love that stuff. The only problem with with this one is that it's like they, it's like what the comment said. Like make the problem, sell the solution. It's more True. like a quality of life improvement that they fix from yeah. the original game. But instead of just like, hey, look, we improved this. You have to like buy the improvement that is just like something that should have been in, not in the original game, but like it's it's like fast travel. You have to buy fast travel. Like yeah, that's just. An improved fast travel. Fast travel is still in the game, but like a better version of it. It's just it's like these remasters that came have come out, and it's just like the new Mass Effect stuff. Like just imagine having to buy faster loading times or something in an amiibo. That's just how I think about it. But I totally agree that I mean, like you said, from the from the get, amiibos have been for getting access to things that not everybody's going to get if you don't buy it. It's just the specific thing that this is kind of you know irking me a bit but nintendo is going to nintendo yeah and yeah i i like the amiibo too so maybe i will get it myself yeah yeah but moving on to the next story ea is building a new team and it's being a new studio i should say in seattle so I'm reading this from Game Industry. EA is building a new team around Kevin Stevens, Monolith Production Studio head during the development of Shadow of Mordor franchise. The new studio will build open world action adventure games. Um, so I thought this was cool. I'm glad there's a lot of new studios happening recently. So EA is also opening a, a new one. And as, as I as mentioned here, he was the guy or the head around the time of Shadow of Mordor franchise uh, starting. So getting some more open world games from EA, I guess, hmm. is cool. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, hey, I'll be but, back yeah. in one second. Sorry, guys, I got to take a word call. No, you're no. good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know how, how you feel about the opening. What, what Are you excited for a new open world from this this specific guy? Yeah, I think this would definitely, this feel kind of fills a niche that EA doesn't really have, I feel like. They don't really have a lot of open world action adventure games, I guess. I guess you could sort of say um, Star Wars The Force, uh, wait, no. Well, uh, what is the... Oh, uh, the... You, oh god why i fallen order yes jedi fallen order I, I wanted to say the force <laughs> unleashed and i'm like no that's not right jedi fallen order i feel like is uh sort of like that um but uh yeah i feel like this would be a kind of a perfect addition to what ea does because they don't really have that kind of stuff and now the important question roro is is this guy gonna steal some code on his way out you know because <laughs> famously they there was that big rumor or whatever that they stole assassin's creed code uh from ubisoft and and right. took it and put it in their game uh Order, yeah. yeah but so maybe uh, yeah <laughs> uh um. 
but yeah, I, I think it'll be cool. It'll be interesting to see. And uh, obviously, they're just now opening, so it'll probably be you know three to four years before yeah. we see anything. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I feel like EA's been investing in a lot of studios lately. But yeah, I am also excited to see an EA. Well, just anything, any new game. From anyone, I'm excited to see what it could be. But yeah. specifically, an open world game from EA sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, um, and this guy has a pretty good track record with Shadow Mortar, pretty beloved series. People love that game, so I'm excited to see what they've got cooking over there in, as you said, the next three years or so. Yeah. But moving on to the next story, another new game is in the works. The company, or I shouldn't start with that, Gearbox. <laughs> uh, there's another Gearbox franchise on the way. Sega 2 has announced plans to launch a new franchise from Borderlands developer Gearbox Software. So the company said on Tuesday that it intends to release 21 games during its current physical year, including four immersive core games, two proven franchises, and two from new ones. So two from proven franchise and two from new uh uh, IPs, basically, according to CEO Struss Zelnick. Um, so Rainy Pitchford obviously retweeted this, pretty much confirming that this is indeed true. And somebody below was like, this quickly? And he replied by saying, by quickly, you mean years of work, right? So being a little little, little snide there, a little cheeky. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's one way to put Randy Pitchford. <laughs> cheeky, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this is exciting. Like, I remember... Yeah. Uh, Bloodborne, when that came out, I was pretty excited for that, and I honestly played a lot more than I thought I would, which was a, a MOBA that came out by, by Gearbox oh, that kind of Battle failed. Born. Battleborn, yes, yes, sorry. Battle, what did I say? Bloodborne. Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's close. close but yeah, I, I, I totally see why it failed, especially coming out right around Overwatch time. Like, yeah. those definitely not on the same level. But I enjoy my time with it. So seeing what Gearbox may have next that isn't Borderlands definitely excites me because Borderlands has been something that I've tried over and over and I just can't get into. But I love the style, love the humor of the games, but just not something that I enjoy playing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what do you, what do you think? Uh, well, you just talking about that just made me remember <laughs> a fantastic <laughs> interaction I had with Randy Pitchford when oh, no. uh, the Overwatch beta came out. The Overwatch beta came out the day that Battleborn released uh, to the public. And I went on Twitter and I was like, oh, because Randy Pitchford tweeted that he was at uh, the launch event or whatever for Battleborn. And I was like, uh, well, I'm just sitting here playing Overwatch beta. And he got <laughs> so mad. He responded oh, with no. something like, those guys are real at a-holes or something like that I, for releasing uh the same day as us i was like oh okay my god but, yeah randy yeah uh <laughs> that was that was one of the funniest interactions with him but anyways yeah uh <laughs> I, hopefully this new franchise will be more successful than battleborn because obviously battleborn was kind of I hate to say this, but like it was kind of like a poor man's Overwatch. It wasn't. It didn't feel, you know. Obviously, it wasn't the exact same genre. It was like a mo more MOBA style, but it had the same feel, I guess. Like it had heroes and all of that. And I just feel like it came out at a poor time, uh, and people saw it as competition with Overwatch, even though it wasn't directly competition with it. Um, so I, hopefully this new franchise is something more original, something, you know, uh, that someone can't point to something else and say, Hey, this 
is like this like let's compare it like super close together um so yeah i'm interested to see what this is and uh it's been a while since i've liked a new gearbox ip um really since probably borderlands the original borderlands um because i even i wasn't a big fan of brothers in arms or anything like that that gearbox made before that so i don't know it'll be interesting I know you had to step away from a bit for a bit, but do we, are you ex- would you be excited for a new Gearbox IP? Uh, I would. Um, I know my friend Chris was hugely high on Battleborn. I mean, he even played it. I don't even think he's ever played Overwatch. I know he's played a crap ton of Battleborn before. Obviously, they shut everything down, and he was very much into it. Um, I will always say that was just the dumbest release timing to try to go up against something in a similar genre to a Blizzard game. Um, is not exactly the smartest thing. Uh, you don't see anybody launching any type of RTS or jun- dungeon crawlers when StarCraft or Diablo come out. <laughs> so it's like, why would you do the same thing? Uh, their their pedigree is very good. I will say, I, I obviously loved Borderlands 3. Um, I put probably about 200 hours into that game, so definitely I loved it. Uh, but... It'll be interesting to see kind of what route they go down, um, because I don't think the Borderlands franchise is done either yet. I mean, we have the movie that's coming out at some point. They keep announcing casting every week, so I would assume they'd want to probably tie that in with some sort of new game in some sense. Yeah, uh, we talked but... about it. Uh, I think what last week or two weeks ago uh, that Gearbox is possibly making like a spinoff uh, Borderlands game or something like that. Yeah, so I I think it would all depend for me for Gearbox is what's the gameplay and then what are what's the art style because I do really appreciate Gearbox when it comes to art style they choose stuff that most people do not. Yeah, Borderlands One still looks pretty good, being mm-hmm. that it was cel shaded. Yeah, cel shading obviously ages incredibly well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Um, and just like your friend, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier that I, I was, for some reason, really into Battleborn when it came out as well. <laughs> um, and I and I agree that the styles of the game, the art styles, always really cool. So definitely excited to see what is next. Randy Pitchford still sucks, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ruby God, you just saw Daniel's heart grow. <laughs> yes. <for you>. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next story, Mass Effect implemented some pretty cool changes that fans are really loving. So Mass Effect Legendary Edition came out not too long ago and brings it a litany of changes to the series. Some announced and some kept secret until it was in the hands of fans. So some of them are really just like some really neat things that fans of the series would appreciate, like Tali's face portrait was was adjusted, um, of the race of a specific enemy El Elenos Hal Haliet. I don't know how to say it, pronounce his name, no. but uh, he's now Turian instead of uh, a human, which makes a lot more sense apparently. <laughs> which is what I was reading. Yeah, he apparently hates humans, and in the original <laughs> game, he was a human, so it was a little weird. I can definitely agree with that. So that that seems like a no brainer and a really cool fix that they actually took the effort to to do. Um, of course, I mentioned before, I have no context to most of this because I haven't played Mass Effect and I haven't played the uh, the Legendary Edition yet. But looking through all this list, it's like, this is really awesome. And I could see why people enjoy the series and have put Bioware in such uh, a high regard because they really do care about this franchise and their fans. So I thought this was really cool. So yeah, I, yeah. that was awesome. 
that 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 one was my favorite role. Yeah. That was I mean, like seeing the the dude who hates humans and he's a human in the original <laughs> game and it was apparently a bug, which is oh, funny. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. But uh have you either jumped into Mass Effect Legendary Edition and do you plan to? Not if yet. No. But I will. Sean? Uh, not yet, and I won't. Uh, <laughs> I think we all knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. True. I hope I can get to it soon, but as we keep mentioning, like, the backlog, just, mm-hmm. just, oh my god, and that is adding literally three games to it, so... And, and, they, yeah. and they are not short games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And as we said, summer is going to be crazy... I'm so excited for Mario Golf and the Ascent. Oh, yeah, I, oh, geez. I, I don't even want to think about it. No. Moving on to the final story before we get into the topic of the show. Just a little quick one. The SNES and NES Nintendo Switch Online Collection has been updated. And it has, or it's going to be updated on my birthday, May 26th. Oh. Very nice. Wow. Happy birthday <laughs> in seven days. Wow, that's <laughs> next Wednesday. Yeah. So, oh yeah, the, the podcast will be able to say, hey, that's nice. <laughs> super, <laughs> the Super NES uh, games that will be coming on May 26th are the Super Baseball Simulator 1.000. I don't think that's 1,000, but maybe it is. Maybe it was a mistake. I don't know. Caveman Ninja, also known as Joe and Mac. Uh, Magical Drop 2 and Spanky's Quest. NES uh, will be getting a Ninja, Jaja, Murukan, Marukan. So I am unfamiliar with literally everything on the list on this list, but I think it's awesome that they're continuing to update this. But at the same time, there's some specific games that I would love to come to this that they just refuse to put on here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the question that I have is one, are you familiar with any of these and do they excite you? And two, do you think Nintendo will ever expand to Game Boy and 64 GameCube sort of stuff in on this sort of regard? Or do you think this is what they're doing? To the end of the Switch life cycle. I mean, we're to the point where my knowledge is tapped out for the <laughs> NES and SNES. Yeah. Uh, so no, I I not played. I know I know Caveman. I know to- Toe Jam and Earl and all that stuff. I know about those. I've never played them. Uh, so I probably at some point would check those out. Um, but honestly, I don't see at least sixty four for a while. Only because we on we know how that age has not aged well uh we did get obviously mario 64 on super mario 3d all-stars so that was probably one of the biggest things that everybody wants everybody loves to think that they want to go back to mario kart 64 no you don't <laughs> play, play play mario kart 8 like trust me you don't want to go back to that it's not what you think it is um if you want to go back to mario kart go back to double dash but what we really need to get back into and it's a huge thing that's like really missing from their like epitaph of stuff is Game Boy Advance. Like that's where they need to kind of come. It's got so many good games. It's got my fi- favorite Final Fantasy as far as Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Like there's just so many good games on that. They even figured out a way to make Tony Hawk Pro Skater work on a <laughs> Game Boy game, which was really hard to do. Obviously, uh, I mean, hell, even during the uh, PS4 days, uh, early on, they couldn't figure out how to make Tony Hawk 5 work. So, I mean, I, that's really the direction I want them to go into. I don't need 64 and GameCube at this point. I want Advance. Yeah, I feel like uh, for the most part, I agree. And 
nine times out of ten i always tell people like i always want to leave my favorite gaming memories in my past because like nostalgia is a hell of a thing you think like it's so good back then when you're playing it then but then like now is completely different standards so uh it really isn't you know the same experience playing it now than it was back then so i kind of agree just uh to kind of leave that stuff alone but at the same time, there's people out there that love playing retro stuff, so I'm sure there's a lot of demand for people to go back and play a lot of that stuff. I would love to see GoldenEye come back, but I don't think that'll ever happen because of licensing issues. But, uh, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I'm down to play Spanky's Quest. I mean... <laughs> Just by the name alone. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Yeah, I think we all need to do that separately in our bedrooms, oh, man. Oh, no, 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 no. God... <laughs> But yeah, I totally agree with Sean with the Game Boy Advance thing. Um, I, I mentioned it recently that I literally brought a cheap DS that only plays Game Boy games so I can go back to some that I've missed, some that I've loved, like Minish Cap. I love that game. Um, Golden Sun, I never, I never got to play. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great uh, Game Boy Advance games that I would love to just have access to on the Switch. That would be awesome. Um, but yeah, I, it's a shame. But I, I totally agree that I don't think they'll go the extra mile with N64, especially with them probably just releasing a remaster of the, the hits if they wanted to. But uh, moving on to what we have been playing. Daniel, what have you been playing? I've actually been playing a new game. I mean, it's a miracle. Uh, Resident <laughs> Evil Village. I've been playing quite a bit. Uh, and actually... The game is not as long as I thought it would be. I know a lot of people like set expectations and were like, hey, this is about the same as Resident Evil 7, but I was just hoping it would be a little longer. But uh, yeah, I think I'm actually at the uh, close to the end. Uh, I'm about seven, seven hours in roughly. Um, I've been playing it over the last week or so. And uh, yeah, uh, very much loving it. And of course, I start talking and the dog has to play with his toy now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it and everything I've played so far. And Roro, I was going to suggest you to get into it because it's not so scary in the beginning. Like the first few parts aren't too scary. Even like Lady... Stressful, stressful, not scary. Stressful, yes. It is very tense and like <laughs> stressful, but not ever scary in the beginning parts. And then I got to a certain part later on and I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was legitimately terrifying. Like, I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys, uh, but just in general, like the noise that this thing was making made me cry myself to sleep that night. It was very terrifying. So, uh, Sean, I can't wait till you get to that part because I was gonna say I'm I'm using my uh, PS5 uh, headset with yeah. all that stuff, uh, and yeah. all the music makes it uh, so much more tense. Like, yeah. especially in the castle, which I don't think that's too big of a spoiler to know that you go into a castle because that's pretty much what we've seen all along. But there's an area in the castle that is a little damp and to have the all the water movements in your ear and you looking everywhere for you is incredibly stressful mm -hmm. uh lady damascura is stressful her daughters are stressful mm -hmm. um it is very satisfying when you put them all down i will say that you kind of breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief uh but i i agree with your summation so far daniel i'm really liking it um, I think I'm actually liking it a little bit more than Resident Evil 7 at the moment. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the weird open world 
um, at least with the village part for it. Uh, yes. I, I like that that's kind of, uh, in a, in a way, a new chapter for them, uh, at least in the first-person version of it. But so far, I, I, I am really liking it. I plan on continuing to play it a little bit tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, hopefully by next podcast I'll have it finished and can report back. But yeah, I agree with you, Sean. I think I do like it a little bit more than seven. Also, uh, are you collecting anything? Yes, okay. I, I'm literally I'm a hundred percenting everything. And normally I don't do that kind of stuff. But like when I'm in my map and I see that red area, I'm like, no, I need this blue. It has to be blue. <laughs> the uh, goats are the hardest thing so far. Yeah to figure out where the heck they are yeah i'm trying to find actually like this uh i can't remember one of the recipes calls for like a pristine like a piece of meat or something i haven't gotten that yet i don't know if it's like not till the end of the game or what but i don't know yeah i haven't seen anything like that yet i just found out that the meal meat was upgradable for your health and accidentally sold meat so i screwed up there yeah bad don't sell don't sell (laughs) (laughs) oh man so I'm assuming, Sean, Resident Evil is what you've been playing as well? Uh, that and actually another game, too, uh, Returnal. Uh, mm-hmm. I am really liking Returnal. That's the game that I was talking about that's going to keep me pretty much going for hours uh, because, holy crap, is that game hard and frustrating, but so freaking magical and beautiful what the PS5 can really do, not to mention what the controller can really do. The fact that uh, you get... You technically get an extra button when it comes to holding your triggers now because it's like considered your alt fire and you know how it gives that little bit of resistance. Yep. That yep. gives you a different uh, type of firing to do. Um, on the controller itself, when you're out in the rain and you can really feel it in the first uh, world, you feel the, your controller vibrating to the raindrops, wow. which is insane to feel. Uh, but it is very hard. Uh, like even for me that loves kind of roguelite experiences um i got to the second boss had two more shots on him and died uh so there went two and a half hours of progress for me um and then got shot back to the beginning with all new stuff so that part i do see where one of the main gripes is the runs last way too long because that's only the second level for me and I think there's at least seven areas, if I remember reading correctly. And I still have yet to even get like the main piece, which is kind of like a Samus Aran whip, more or less, to help me traverse areas. And I can only imagine how much more longer the game gets. I've seen people have like five, six hour runs get wiped. Mm. Oh, no. Uh, so. <laughs> See, that's why oh, wow. I would never like to play that game because it's just, <laughs> that would, oh, that would drive me insane. The arcadiness, though, is what makes you come back to do a little bit better each time to get better at certain enemies, uh, like to kind of figure out how they shoot, where you can dodge. I will say, like your mobility, your walking is faster than most games running. And then your running is even more insane. And I couldn't besides like you loading in each run for like five seconds. There's no load times for anything. It's all just seamless. Like you traverse from literally rain jungle to desert in maybe half a second. And there's nothing that like takes time or any of that stuff. So it is incredibly fast, utilizes the PS5, and good for House Marquee for, I think, really making essentially a AAA arcade shooter, kind of. Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, everything about both of those games sounds good, but also <laughs> terrifying for, uh, yeah. for literally both of them. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever play them, but I'm, I'm glad that you guys are enjoying them. And yeah, I, I won't I won't spend too much time on what I'm playing because I'm sure you guys can guess it's more Destiny. What? Um, you're playing <laughs> Destiny? I know. First off, you're the last person to judge anyone on it, in Mr. Master oh, Chief. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, but basically, this week, uh, well, yesterday, they introduced another override um, map. So basically, that's the seasonal uh, activity. So now we have a moon variant of it. And the most exciting thing that I have to report is that the Vault of Glass returns on Saturday. Nice. I may not be able to play it day one, but I am so excited to finally jump back into it because it's one of my favorite raids it's the first raid to ever appear in destiny and it's being revisited so i'm very excited for that yes is that the one on destiny one yeah yes yeah that's something i played okay i know this i know (laughs) i know this (laughs) yeah so it's coming back and i'm very excited for that so yeah hopefully i'll be able to report by next wednesday that i've at least attempted it but yeah very excited about that uh, but moving on, finally, to the topic of the show, Summer Games Fest has been announced, and there's going to be a kickoff live starting June 10th. So this is going to be a little bit different than it was last year, at least the first day, June 10th, which includes 20 or 30 games. He, re- he also says a lot of live service games are participating, um, and he says he thinks there are going to be some big, big announcements and some long-awaited things. He also wanted to mention... To not get there, to have realistic expectations, uh, specifically to the question of Elden Ring being there. And he was like, whoa, whoa, yeah. slow down. We've got some cool stuff, but not Elden Ring cool stuff. Yeah. But uh, he, he also showed off a picture of all the 2021 partners that include companies such as 2K, Amazon Games, Annapura, Blizzard, EA, uh, MiHoYo, who makes uh, Genshin Impact, Sega, Xbox, and the most notable one to me is PlayStation. Because they are not included at E3, but mm-hmm. they are included at Summer Games Fest. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they have to offer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's expecting to show off a couple of world premieres and obviously some some updates to probably games that we've heard of before. But uh, yeah, I think this is awesome to have a, a a show that is pretty much as he says here, similar to the Game Awards. Uh, to kind of make it a little bit more congested instead of spread out, which was a, a, a complaint or feedback that a lot of uh, watchers had last year, he mentions in the article. But uh, yeah, what are your guys' hype level for the kickoff of technically of, of E3, but also Summer Games Fest? And uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think this is exciting. And uh, of course, it has to start when I'm on vacation. That's freaking my luck that... Sure. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Well, I'm in North Carolina, and they decided to do this, so I can't react at home. But uh, great job, Jeff. Yeah, Great. thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I I think that uh, Jeff's trying to temper our expectations with this uh, original, like you know, this first um, event that he's having on June 10th. It sounds like it's just going to be like some smaller reveals, and it's not going to be like a uh, you know game awards level event like that. It's not going to have anything huge. I don't. 
think and he's trying to set expectations as such um but also like summer games fest also overlaps with like e3 and uh like i think ubisoft's event is included in that xbox's event at e3 whatever which we don't have dates for that yet like could we freaking get a date i want a date for that uh but uh yeah, I hope that that's not while I'm on vacation because I'd like to be here to react to it, but uh, I don't know if I'll be here. So, yeah, uh, I just want to get all these dates and, and see what happens, and uh, hopefully Jeff gives us some some scoops this summer. The The PlayStation thing is surprising to me, um, only because they've, for what, the last two years, have been kind of doing their own thing. Uh, for the most part. Again, I would say don't expect them to show God of War Ragnarok trailer or something like that that would light the world on fire. I think, if anything, that they would probably show is maybe something to do with uh, Horizon. Mm -hmm. uh, that's obviously a known quantity. We've already seen as far as the CGI trailer for it, possibly just another one. Um, I still don't think that's games coming out until next spring, next summer, because um, we know that Sony doesn't Sony doesn't follow the mantra that they have to have a fall game anymore. They haven't since really the Order eighteen eighty six, and we know that didn't perform that well, anyways. So my guess is they probably won't have any type of fall announcements or anything like that. It is very close to E three, which kind of makes me think this is going to be more for smaller games. Um, or to get kind of weird announcements out of the way, like you mentioned Genshin Impact. I know it's a popular game, but that's not something you really need to hear news about at E3 because who cares? If you're not playing it, you're not probably going to be playing it. People that are playing that game are already interested at yeah. this point. Well, yeah. Remember, remember, Summer Games Fest doesn't necessarily tie to E3 either, and it 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 could be like multiple months because like last year Jeff had it going over multiple months and and covered all these events. So really, what he could just be saying is whenever PlayStation holds their state of play, like whether it's June or July or whatever, I'm not sure what their date's going to be for that. Uh, that's going to be included in his Summer Games Fest. I guarantee that's why sony's uh playstation's on there because he's gonna market that as summer yeah. games fest as part of the whole the whole deal yeah i mean we'll probably get that in july after ratchet and clank's been released more than yeah. likely then yeah 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 i i totally see where you guys are coming from with the playstation thing that maybe he just knows yeah there's going to be a state of play later on so let's just slap the playstation logo on there and say that they're part of Summer Games Fest. He does say most of the companies are involved with the kickoff with some uh, with some of the content, um, but he also does say some of them will have their own events and will save some big announcements for their own uh, little events. So, like Sean said, don't expect God of War to be at the kickoff. Maybe they will talk about it at, at their state of play. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely excited to have this specifically because, as he said, last year some of the feedback that he that he got was that it was so spread out and it was kind of confusing and he does address the confusion as well saying like what is e what is e3 and what is summer games fest like why what is, is this like a, just a glorified calendar and last year it did kind of feel like that where he was just kind of co-streaming the other events so i do i'm definitely excited for a, a quote-unquote official kickoff to this whole summer games fest where it's a, a little bit more structured but uh yeah I'll, I'll just end it off by by asking do you 
what is the biggest thing that we can that you think we can expect here, or is it really just going to be some live service stuff? I think Horizon well, Zero. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say I think Horizon Zero Dawn is 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 something that we might see as well. Um, I saw Sega there, and I, I'm just so ready for a, a new Sonic game, specifically a 3D one. <laughs> I, I doubt it, but it's been so so long. So I was hoping that maybe they'll they'll say something there, but. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something Nintendo at this kickoff. Wait, was Nintendo on that list? I don't remember Nintendo being part of that list. Well, that's surprising. That's very surprising because normally Jeff has something from them. So that's interesting. Okay, well, never mind. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm hopeful. And I know they weren't announced as a partnership, but it was by one of the developers uh, at Team Cherry uh, about uh, Hollow Knight uh, Silk Song maybe getting an update through them because e3 they already have tempered expectations saying they're not going to have anything to update on us and obviously that's a huge game that i'm looking forward to as a sequel of hollow knight Mm. uh and i would hope maybe in summer games that's where we kind of get that uh since obviously it's not coming for me it's just it's a sequel that i desperately want i i honestly can't think of something that would even oh i know what guys this needs to be at the kickoff cuphead dlc yes <laughs> i was gonna say that oh. <laughs> nice. are they just making a new game at this point it's, yeah. it better be <laughs> might as well just do what team cherry did even though team cherry promised us one more dlc where you got to play as a different character they just decided to turn it into a sequel i don't have any issues with another cuphead game yeah well, sure. as most of the stories on here, we'll just have to wait and see. And yeah. we won't have to wait much longer. June 10th is right around the corner, and so is E3. Um, yes. But until then, guys, do you have anything else to add before we sign off? So with us being very close to E3, what do you guys think about E3 predictions next week? Ooh. Although I don't know if you'll be here, Roro, if it's your birthday. I don't know that you want to be Right. on the podcast yeah. i honestly don't know what i'm even doing okay. for my birthday <laughs> all right but uh i'll definitely let you know all right microsoft and sony are merging that's my prediction <laughs> God. oh jeez. <laughs> but yeah thank you guys so much hopefully maybe we'll have some e3 predictions next week or the week after um but thank you again everyone for joining us both live and on on youtube and on twitch uh as well as podcast services everywhere, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you, Daniel, and thank you, Sean. I'm Rashan, and until next time, later will be greater. Much love. Deuces. <laughs>